Hi everybody, welcome to Compulsive Overeating Diary, Day 40. It's now been 12 weeks, 4 days since I began this experiment where I talk about my thoughts and feelings around compulsive overeating rather than heading for the chips. And today when we come back from listening to our inspirational snippet of I'm Letting Go, the beautiful song by Josh Woodward, we're going to have some shout outs to new companions, a Facebook buddy who also supports my posts, and talk about our brand new bravery report. Also, mini topic on what do we do when we have so many aha moments, we don't know what to do with them. And then we're going to revisit the whole topic of therapy with some thoughts from Brave Companions on therapy and Michelle's detailed post where she so generously let us know what it's like to deal with therapy, dealing with her eating issues. But I'm letting go. mind to me today when I was listening to Josh letting go is the need to let go of these high expectations that we hold on ourselves and letting go for me in particular of my massive to-do list. It seems like every time I hear about something or think about something that I need to do, I immediately want to get it done. I mean, I want to go right now. I want to cross that thing off the list as fast as physically possible. And you know, in real life, you can never cross off all of your to-do list. And I think that's part of my procrastination. So today I'm gonna to take a little look at the aha moments in our lives and how do we keep from adding those onto an already filled to-do list. But first, I did wanna point out a couple of things about compulsiveovereatingdiary.com. I wanna revisit the whole email question. There's two places that you can enter your email on compulsiveovereatingdiary.com. The first is subscribe via email. And what that one is, is where you get notification to your email address of every time I publish a new podcast or a new blog post. And why might that be handy? That would be handy, like right now, if you're listening in the car, let's say, and you really wanted to read all of Michelle's post, but you can't remember in your head exactly where I said her post was, if you had been subscribed to Compulsive Overeating Diary notification, in your email at home, you would have the link to that show notes page, and in that show notes, you would have the link to Michelle's exact post. On that form, all you need to put in is your email, not even your name or anything like that. Directly below, there is join our email list for special topics. Now, this is where you put your name and your email address, and this is completely separate. This is where I send out special topics, notices, recipes, other things on my mind. is like a little mini newsletter kind of a thing. And there's a couple places that you can sign up. One is on compulsiveovereatingdiary.com, right under subscribe via email, and it says join our email list for special topics. The other place is if you're visiting Facebook with your computer, you will see a button right near the top picture there of my cat Tiger by a computer that says sign up. If you click on that button, you will come to the email list form for special topics. 
Okay, brave companions, let's see what shout outs we have today. And again, shout outs are usually based on who's been communicating, who's a new brave companion, who's done something super special. So my first shout out is for new brave companion, Sharon, who left me this on the about page of compulsiveovereatingdiary.com. Hi, Lori, I just discovered your podcast yesterday and really relate to your struggles. Thank you for putting your experience out there for others to listen to. Because of what I heard from you yesterday, I am allowing myself to start fresh today with no guilt from my previous binges. And when I feel a desire to binge, I will pause and take some time to think about what am I really feeling at that moment. It's a start. Sharon goes on to tell me not to worry about my pity party of my infamous pathetic episode four (laughs) and then says, glad you are posting the good, the bad and the ugly as listeners will learn and grow from it all. Thanks for your effort and your honesty, Sharon. Well, Sharon, we are so happy that you joined us here. We really do appreciate that you took the time to comment and to let us know that you're here. And Brave Companions, you might want to stop on the About page and post a hello to new Brave Companion, Sharon. Next, we've got another Michelle. So this is Michelle McKinney. I might have to call you Michelle Mack, Michelle, because we have a couple more. But on day 39, Michelle McKinney says... Hi, Lori. I discovered your podcast a few weeks ago. I stumbled upon it while doing a search for podcasts on emotional eating. I really like it. I listen on my phone as I work from home on the computer, so I don't often get the chance to go to the website and leave a comment, but I am listening and enjoying it very much. Take care. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for leaving your comment because I understand. Do you know from my statistics, I can see that 80 to 85% of you are listening on your phone or on your car or through some mechanism by which it's not easy for you to jump onto compulsiveovereatingdiary.com right then and post a comment. Again, that's another reason why I mentioned the email subscription today because there are so many really valuable comments and it's so easy to remember the day. Like if you hear something today that you wanted to know more about, you would come to Compulsive Overeating Diary slash day 40 and you would have access to those show notes. Or when you got home, you'd look in your email and say, ah, that's the episode that Lori just published. Let me go there and look up the comments I was interested in. So everybody, we've got another Michelle. If you want to say hello to her, go on to day 39. My next comment is for a Facebook supporter, Jody. Jody, she encourages me with my cleaning. I was posting away on Facebook, kind of <laughs> one, delaying my cleaning projects of the last week, and two, looking for encouragement or something to motivate myself because I would say like, well, when I get this part of the floor scrubbed, I'm going to go look on Facebook and see if Jody or, or Abby or anybody else has said anything to me. And Jody was there supporting me while she was also cleaning out her bedroom closet. Good job, Jody. I know what a pain cleaning out those closets are. And I really appreciated that you took the time to support me on Facebook. It helped me get through that horrendous cleaning, which if you're a new brave companion, cleaning is not my thing. Don't love it. Not like Sandy, who likes to clean. Sandy, I wish it will rub off on me. I'm going to see if I can just associate with you and get that cleaning gene to like rub off. I did it and I'm proud of myself, but it is not something that I like. And last of the shout outs today, I'm going to start something new called the Bravery Report. And that's for when I know that you brave companions have done something that's out of your comfort zone and you followed through on it. So Abby said, 
that she was going to step up and for her brave act, friend Stephen on MyFitnessPal. And hooray to both of you because I got an email from Stephen who verified, yes, indeed, he got friended by Abby. She followed through and he was really pleased about it. So I am so proud of you both for being brave enough to make a new connection to support each other. And speaking of connections, as we leave the shout out section, we have our new page, Who Are the Brave Companions? So you can stop by on compulsiveovereatingdiary.com and leave a short intro and any connection information like your name on MyFitnessPal or Twitter or any other way that you would feel comfortable making contact with others. And that way the Brave Companions can get together, know each other a little more, and maybe make supporting connections outside of the podcast. Okay, now I want to do a little mini topic, and this is something brought to mind by a comment Cheryl made on our Spark People team, because the last few episodes, there's really not been a lot of fun and games, like, you know, the the space alien robots coming down or talking about fun things. We've been talking about chaos and perfectionism and clutter as symbolized by the junk in our houses and in our minds and a lot of really deep thoughtful, heartfelt comments. We've been kind of trudging into the emotional muck of compulsive overeating and other compulsions in our lives. And part of that, Brave Companions, is because as I've been going through this podcast, it really is about my journey. And it seems that the more I talk to you guys and the more responses I get, that all kinds of stuff is being brought to my attention. Things that I used to cover up by going for the chips, right? And so as I discover this, and as I dig through it, and as other Brave Companions respond to it, remember, I'm reading out the comments from several Brave Companions in any one show, if it is pertinent to the topic I want to speak about. So it can become pretty overwhelming. So let me just read to you Cheryl's comment on Spark People. The last few days, I've been thinking a lot about some things from the podcast and some comments that have been written by Brave Companions, and they've led to a number of aha moments for me. But I kind of feel like I'm stuck now. Once I've had them, I'm not sure what to do about them. It's not so easy to process it all when there's a bunch of stuff hitting you all at once. Now, I totally get that and agree. Like you might say, yeah. I really have an issue with perfectionism that is self-sabotaging myself. I am self-sabotaging myself, and so I need to find a way to get over that. And then you think, oh, I've got a clutter issue too. I'm not stepping up and dealing with some of the clutter around my home. I've been putting things off. I need to deal with that too, and so on and so forth. And then you hear about the therapy things that we're going to talk about. You think, I need to get myself into therapy right now. So all of a sudden, you have this emotional to-do list that you're putting on to yourself because so many different things have been resonating with you. And so many of the past episodes in the last week or so have been pretty heavy episodes. Not a lot of tap dancing going on here, (laughs) Brave Companions. And in a way, that's kind of a good thing. That means that we're still listening. My numbers haven't, you know, like gone down to zero. So your listeners are still listening. And a lot of you have been commenting. 
but it is very emotionally overwhelming to have so many aha moments or have so many deep things to think about. You know, I don't know about you, but even one deep thing to think about could send me to the chips or to distracting myself or feeling lost and feeling kind of bad. Like, how come I'm such a perfectionist? I shouldn't be a perfectionist. I mean, to be perfect, you can't be a perfectionist, right? <laughs> you should be easygoing and just do a really good job all the time. To be a perfectionist is very damaging. So that doesn't feel very good if you recognize perfectionism in yourself as I recognize it in myself. So what do you do? The last episode or two ago, I talked about dealing with the, the kitchen, which is messy, and starting with just the sink. And I think you need to do the same thing when it comes to your emotional to-do list. As you're going on with this podcast, if you hear something that really resonates with you, maybe jot down that day that you heard it, like today is day 40. Just keep a little list someplace, not in your head, of stuff that maybe you want to revisit. Because... It's really, really hard, brave companions, to tackle any emotional habit more than one at a time. It's hard to stop being perfectionistic and to stop being a people pleaser and stop eating really fast in front of the TV and stop doing all of these different things all at once. You really need, I think, to pick one. Pick one that resonates with you at the moment or just notice that you noticed it. Just notice, let it flow by. Ah, I realize I might have a perfectionistic streak in me. Maybe someday I'm going to take a look at that. Because sure as tootin', someday you're going to be in the middle of something and you're going to think, why am I doing this? And that perfectionism thought is going to go into your head. You're going to go, that's right. This relates to that whole perfectionism thing. Maybe there's some way I can cut myself a little slack right now. At least that's true for me. I'm asking you, companions, don't overwhelm yourselves. Just because you're listening to me tell my thoughts and feelings. (laughs) And because I'm sharing the thoughts and feelings of others. Right? This is for you to know that you're not alone. This podcast is primarily for me. Lori to work through my issues and as you can see there's plenty of them I'm not perfect at all (laughs) I'm not even close I mean my weight's not perfect I'm not perfect the way I do this podcast isn't perfect my responses to you all is not perfect but I'm okay with that at least today I'm okay with it this moment in time I'm okay with it because I know that each day, each comment, each response, I'm doing the best that I can. And I think that's all any of us can expect. So if somehow listening to all these heavy topics has been making you feel overwhelmed and sad about yourself, please know that I have no expectation on you to become perfect or to do everything that I do because You know, I couldn't even do what I'm doing now six months ago. Six months ago, I was in a blind fog, stuffing my face, drinking beers to bond with my husband, trying to deal with the fact that he retired, and I blindly put on a pound a week for six months. 
And if I'd found my podcast six months ago, I probably would have listened to it and thought, nodding my head, yeah, yeah, that's true. But since I wasn't yet ready to deal with what I need to deal with, I probably would have said, cool podcast, and maybe turned it off. Or maybe I would have subscribed to it, but not really listened to it for a while. Or maybe I would have like listened to it at night, trying to fall asleep and, and hope that it would sink into me that way. But telling you honestly, some of the things that I've done lately that have been very tough for me, I would not have been able to do six months ago. But obviously some of my past experiences and thoughts and feelings that I've learned in the past, as well as some of the things I'm learning new from you, brave companions, I'm learning from when you respond to the podcast and you leave your comments, I'm learning new things too. But some of the stuff that I learned before came to my mind when I was ready to learn the lesson. And I think that's a great place for us to stop our mini topic and go into thoughts on therapy. Last episode on day 39, we got a little bit into the whole therapy question about thinking about therapy, and Michelle was kind enough to leave a comment on that day all about her therapy. Or maybe it was on day 38. I'll have to go double check. But anyway, I asked if any of you Brave Companions had any thoughts or experiences you'd be willing to share to post. And so I want to go over a couple of those first, and then I'm going to tell you a little bit about my therapy experiences, and then we're going to end up with Michelle's thoughtful and detailed post. Okay, first up, Sue posts this comment on day 39. I am responding to various comments from the last three podcasts in this post. It seems that lots of what Lori said and the comments and suggestions made in the last few days have struck many chords in our brave companions. She goes on to share some of her personal details about why she was ready for therapy and how she was blessed by having someone in her church who is a qualified psychotherapist. Sue goes on. She has been amazing. It has been a long process to untangle the threads that were my several significant issues. I have learned to tell my story, to self-protect, to self-soothe, to identify the feelings and allow myself to voice them, why I react to current situations in the way I do, to start to forgive. We are working on how to recognize the false assumptions I make when reacting to circumstances, how to love myself, how to change the bad habits and phobias I have as a result of the difficulties I faced. My suggestions to anyone thinking about getting therapy are, do it when you are ready to face the past. Do it when you want it, not when someone close to you pushes you into it. Find someone who understands your core values and will work with them, not against them. Find someone you can build a rapport with. Be ready to talk and make yourself vulnerable. Put lots of things in place to keep other things from causing extra stress whenever possible. Will it be tough? Yes. Will it be painful? Yes. Will it take longer than you hope it will? Probably. Is it worth it? Yes. In this great comment, Sue also shares her current food strategy and finishes up as follows. 
I am so blessed by the openness and honesty of Lori and my fellow Brave Companions. You care, and that means a lot to me. I appreciate your responses to my posts and am encouraged and challenged by what you say to me and to each other. Bless you. Well, Sue, I think that's a fabulous post for anybody who's thinking about therapy. It really, really, really is important that you are ready to go. Not that your husband or wife or girlfriend or boyfriend thinks you should go. Not that your mother, father, sister, brother, cousin thinks you should go. Not that your BFF thinks you should go. The only time you should really go into therapy is when you want to go. Okay, that's so important. And right after Sue's comment, Cheryl made a reply to Sue on the same day, 39. Having been through therapy after the death of my mom, I can so appreciate your comment about finding a therapist who has the same core values as you. That did not happen for me. I admire you very much for making this post. I know from the little bit of counseling I had that it is a heck of a hard road to go down. We never stop working on our issues. Thanks for being so open and honest. You are such an encouragement, Sue. That whole core value and good rapport are so important me, Lori, I'm going to tell you a little bit now of my therapy experiences before we get to Michelle. Let me go way, way back in the way back time travel. Those of you that like Mr. Peabody and his boy Sherman, <laughs> there I'm dating myself, that was a cartoon in the 60s. But they had a, a time travel machine called the Wayback Machine. So let's go in the Wayback Machine to where I was a little kid little fat kid, little odd duck kid, who didn't speak kid very well and felt pretty isolated and alienated and got bullied a lot and did not like going to school. So my mom, who was a school teacher, and my dad, who was working a lot of hours and wished that we just had peaceful home and not so much drama, sent me to the school psychologist to try to find out what was it that I didn't like. Now, being a very young kid, I'm sure I didn't quite know <laughs> what was going on, but I liked getting out of class because that hour I spent with the psychologist, I didn't have to get bullied by the other kids or tripped or have anything happen to me or put up with that feeling, some of which was my own, my own feelings, not the other kids. But I always had this constant feeling of not fitting in and bad things are going to happen. And... What came out of this therapy <laughs> with the school psychologist was that the teachers were making me help the other kids too much. Remember I told you I was pretty good in school and so a lot of the teachers from a young age would have me help other kids do their math or do their spelling or whatever the subject was. And so what they put in my permanent record was Lori is not to be allowed to help other kids with their work because that's making her feel out of sync, I guess. They thought my whole problem was that I was having to do this extra schoolwork for the kids. So by banning me from doing this extra work to help out the other kids, it basically took away my only kid capital <laughs> of why a kid might want to see me coming. Because that just made a bigger deal. Like, you know, the kid would come to me, hey, Lori, help me out with this. And the teachers would be like, nope. No, Lori needs to do her own work. So that wasn't too successful. But 
it was a good-hearted attempt by an overworked school psychologist in that system to try to figure out what's going on with a little kid. Now I'm sure in those days, I don't even think binge eating disorder was something, I don't even think it was classified as a disorder. I don't even think people talked about compulsive overeating in those days or secret eating. But I definitely was suffering from compulsive overeating and binge eating disorder and secret eating from the time I was five. So when I was eight years old and a really, really roly-poly kid, I'm sure that there was not much training. I don't even think there was the whole thing of like, you know, adult children of alcoholics or real children of alcoholics or addictive type families or dysfunctional families or any of that really available in those days. So I kind of trudged through school until I became a, a really, really, really rebellious teenager. And because I was so rebellious, there was a lot of discord in my family between me and my parents, just a lot of things going on. And kind of going back to the whole, let's fix Lori and have peace in the house thing. My parents were also very worried about money. And so my dad would see the dollar signs of just how much it cost to be sent to the psychiatrist, but they wanted me to get fixed. So off I was sent to the psychiatrist for a few sessions and with the direction to fix her. <laughs> and I don't remember that except for the psychiatrist was an older gentleman and kind of scary to me as a young whippersnapper teenager kid. And I didn't really jive with him and I did not come away fixed. I don't remember getting anything out of that experience except for being pissed that I had to go myself on the bus clear across town in order to go to this psychiatrist because I had to do that. I had to take myself to the psychiatrist who I didn't want to go see. So there comes my point about don't go to the psychologist or psychiatrist when you don't want to. And parents, if you have a kid, you can't send the kid and get the kid fixed. It's a, fi it's a family dynamic thing. This is what adult Lori is saying. It's a family dynamic thing, and the whole family needs to be in some kind of counseling in order to deal with those issues. It isn't just the kid. Because even if you could magically fix the kid, unless you are also addressing some of the other dynamics around that dysfunctional kid, then you're just going to go back to the same old, same old, rather like going back to eating whatever you want after you've been on a diet. Same thing with psychology. Let's fast forward a bit into my adult life where at the age of 28 is where I started my bouts with insomnia and I went an entire year without sleeping more than maybe an hour at night. And this is when I first thought about giving up teaching as a career because I was too tired and I felt it wasn't safe and it wasn't good. It, it was very stressful and so I went to my first psychologist now, I didn't know enough about psychologists to even know they have a professional distance that they must maintain to have a boundary between them and you. All I knew is I had this 40-year-old lady who was my psychologist, and I loved her because she let me talk, and she listened to me, and I wanted her to be my friend. I was wishing she could be my friend, but psychologists are not your friend. So... My insomnia didn't get cured, but that was the first time that I went onto some kind of medication to try to help me with my sleeping and my depression and different things like this. And onward and upward. 
When I moved to California, I was on my own and decided to get myself into therapy because I needed some support with the change of moving from Washington, where all my family was, to being on my own in California. And I really didn't have any money and couldn't afford psychologists. So I found out at that time that you can go get what they call a sliding scale psychologist. That if you don't have many, there's a lot of programs where psychologists, kind of like student teachers, have to put in hours doing community work supervised from licensed psychologists. So I was able to get a couple of really, really good ones to help me out at that time. And that was the first time I realized how freeing it was to have someone whose whole job was just to listen to you and reflect back to you. That was the first time I got the whole idea of reflection. Most psychologists and psychiatrists are not going to tell you stuff. They're not going to say, you know, your problem is this. Most of them are not. Unless you're going into cognitive therapy where you're going to have some specific behavioral things to work on. But traditional psychology is more about you kind of telling the story of your life and them reflecting back to you what they hear. Kind of like me listening to these podcasts back. So I learned something new. And you guys commenting to me. And so I learned something new. So in a way, this podcast is kind of like Lori's mini therapy with the whole world. But when you're in real therapy, you have the one-on-one attention of this human being whose sole purpose is to support you, to help you understand where you're coming from and to support you in making better choices. And that's why Brave Companion is so important. When you first find a psychologist or a therapist or psychiatrist, however you find them, referred by a doctor, referred from your insurance company, calling around, asking friends, go have a session with them and see, does this feel like someone who can be open with Can I let myself show my underbelly with this person? Do I feel safe and comfortable? Because it's a very personal relationship, even though it's professional. They are not your friend. They're not going to come to your house. They're not going to be doing these things. That's not their job. But they are going to let you open up in ways that you might not even open up to your spouse or your closest friends because they're not going to judge you at all. They're going to reflect back to you what they hear. That's my experience with therapy, at least some of them. I've been to therapy many, many times. But I've not been to a therapist like Michelle just went to that was specific to eating issues. So let's end our podcast today with listening to the very kind and detailed post of Michelle about her therapy. Hello, Lori. I want to let you know that I am still listening and to let you know that I got brave and have gone to see a therapist who specializes in eating disorders. I have been to see her twice and now I am already feeling much better and eating much better. I also wanted to share what I have learned. I have not listened to your latest podcast yet, but have read Abby's post. Abby, I can really relate to your post. This is how I felt just before calling and making an appointment with a therapist. I was depressed and decided I had had enough, so I did it. And I know when you are ready, you will too. In short, the first appointment with the ther- 
In short, the first appointment was the therapist asking me questions about the issues that triggered my binge eating and any issues in the past that were still causing me problems in the present. Even after the first appointment, I felt a burden had been lifted, like when you, like when you are doing your podcast, Lori. Just getting all that messy stuff out in the open was healing, so I was really looking forward to the next appointment. The second appointment. We jumped right into why we were going around in a vicious cycle of binge eating. The main reason we keep going around the circle is all binge eaters restrict certain foods. We can go for a certain period of time restricting these foods and then the body rebels against us and craves the very foods we have been restricting, thus leading us to the fridge and binge eating again. We then have feelings of regret. I failed again to stay on my diet. I am out of control. I am stupid, etc. So the next Monday morning or week or month later, we are back on our restrictive diets only to go around the circle again. The food I have been restricting for a long time is carbs, mostly complex carbs. The body, or more importantly, the brain needs these complex carbs, also healthy fats, to function properly and give us energy. The body, brain, knows when it needs in terms of nutrition, and when it doesn't get these foods, it doesn't function properly. Everyone has a set point weight, so when the body is either above or below the set point weight, it will fight tooth and nail to get back to that weight. So when we are restricting foods, we are fighting a losing battle with the body and the brain. The therapist has suggested my eating follow a mechanical eating schedule, which is eating within one hour of getting up in the morning and then every three to four hours thereafter. I eat three meals and two snacks daily, plus an extra snack if I am extra hungry. Your plate should consist of half veggies, one quarter protein, one quarter complex carb, and a healthy fat following the serving sizes of using the size of your fist for carbs and the palm of your hand for protein. No weighing, no measuring. At first, I was a little frightened of eating this much food, but at the same time excited to be able to eat this much food. Weird, I know. Anyway, I cannot tell you how much this method of eating has helped me. I know it has only been a short while, but I have had more energy, my brain is working better, and the depression is lifting. I have not gained any weight, and I am full and satisfied all of the time. Am I cured? Probably not, but it sure has helped. The next session we go into the emotional part of binge eating, which I am also looking forward to, with some hope for the future. To Abby and all brave companions, hang in there. You, when you are ready, the teacher will appear. Thank you again, Lori, for inspiring me to get help. I will keep you all posted as more info becomes available. Thank you, Michelle, because I think that was super brave to one, go to the therapist, and two, very kind of you to post this detailed comment, letting us know about your experience, because it will certainly calm the fears of some people who are considering going to a, a specialist that deals with eating disorders to kind of have some idea of what that might be like. At least for me, I know that that is always good to have a little bit of prior knowledge. So for you, brave companions, if you're feeling ready to look for a therapist, be brave. Find someone who is who's in sync with you, who has values like yours, who's a kind and good fit. And don't be scared to give it a try. And you can always let us know here what you're feeling. Until next time, take care, my brave companions, because I care. I'm a slave without a master, heading for disaster, kicking up the dust in the middle of the road. 
been waiting on a free ride Ticket to a seaside thicket on the edge of Puget Sound And there I'll sit, I'll admit That I was only just a guest inside my skin And by the dawn, I'll be gone It won't be holding on to anything I'm letting go, it's a sign.